0: Hey, hey, Prime members, talking to you. You can listen to CBS Mornings on the go, ad-free, on Amazon Music. Download the app today. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery.
1: So we have a wealth gap on the one hand, but then we have a knowledge gap on the second hand. And so that's what I was experiencing. I got out of Stanford. I did get some great jobs, but I had no idea about asset allocation or diversification or, you know, how to think about a portfolio in terms of short-term assets versus long-term assets. I didn't know anything about that, and it was a foreign language for everyone in my family because none of our family had been taught that. There were no inheritances to pass down, no portfolios to discuss at the dinner table. So if you have a knowledge gap, then even if you have an opportunity to earn wealth, you don't have an opportunity to build it and sustain it and pass it on generationally because you just don't know how to do it.
0: Welcome to the CBS This Morning Podcast, everyone. I'm CBS News National Correspondent, Errol Barnett. A 2015 survey of 15-year-olds found that 18% of them here in the U.S. did not learn fundamental financial skills that we often apply in everyday situations, almost 20%. Well, now there's an app hoping to change that statistic by teaching children financial independence. A former executive at both Nickelodeon and Discovery Education, Tanya Van Court created Goal Setter to help parents and families educate children about financial literacy. Goal Setter recently launched an initiative called SOS, or Save Ourselves, to improve the economic mobility for Black Americans specifically. We're going to talk about why this is necessary, how it works, and how someone comes to develop something like this right now. A big welcome to Tanya.
1: Thank you so much, Errol. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here.
0: Now, I often find that some of the best solutions to problems come from people who have felt them deeply in the first place. So take me back to when you had financial issues, what, some 20 years ago that really convinced and informed you to to make sure literacy is widespread, financially speaking.
1: Sure. Um, So I I should actually take you back a little bit further than that. I was born um, to an elementary school teacher in Oakland, California. My mom was a school teacher and counselor um, and she had six kids. And so, you know, you would imagine that if you're the the child of an educator, you know, everything, right? Teachers (laughs) teach you everything. Well, unfortunately, no matter who you are in America, financial literacy is not one of the things that is oft taught. So by the time I was out of college, I, was, uh, I had two degrees in engineering from Stanford University, so not too shabby of a school. You would also think that if you don't get taught at home by your mom's school teacher, you get taught at Stanford. Well, that didn't really happen either. So, so I'm out of school. I'm in uh, one of my first jobs in Silicon Valley. Um, I had been given a bunch of stock and stock options. And I really didn't have any idea how those things worked. No one in my family had talked to me about stock. I don't even think anyone in my family had ever owned stock. Um, And so when the big bubble burst, the first Silicon Valley bubble that burst um, in 2001, I had a million dollars worth of stock and stock options that went to zero dollars worth of stock and stock options literally overnight. And so what I found in that moment was that there were all of these people around me who I thought knew about money and who I thought were experts at financial acumen, and yet they lost far more than I did because they had highly leveraged themselves, they lost houses, they lost cars, they lost their, the home that, that they had bought for their mother. I mean, it was really a disaster in Silicon Valley at the time. So that was one moment for me where I said, wow, this was really bad. And it wasn't just bad for me. It was bad for lots of other people too. And I can't go back and and turn back the hands of time, but I can make sure that this never happens to my own kids. And that was when I said I was going to do something different with my kids.
0: That's really deep because in in many ways, what you're saying is, even as someone who is privileged, educated, and has access, you are still susceptible to the external um, pressures on people's incomes and the economy. And so you have to think to yourself when you acknowledge the wage gap in America, inequality as it has existed for decades and that the barriers that limit black Americans specifically but certainly people of color to not just being educated but getting access to capital, you really get a sense of how challenging financial literacy and success really is for everybody.
1: Well, it's layered and complex, right? Because, you know, as an African-American woman who grew up in an African-American household, the first barrier to wealth is literally just the color barrier that every Black person experiences in this country where opportunities aren't the same, where pay isn't the same, where um, the opportunities for wealth building and wealth creation based on inheritance is not the same, right, all of those things create a wealth gap. So we have a wealth gap on the one hand, but then we have a knowledge gap on the second hand. And so that's what I was experiencing. I got out of Stanford, I did get some great jobs, but I had no idea about asset allocation or diversification or you know how to think about a portfolio in terms of short-term assets versus long-term assets. I didn't know anything about that. And it was a foreign language for everyone in my family because none of our family had been taught that. There were no inheritances to pass down, no portfolios to discuss at the dinner table. So if you have a knowledge gap, then even if you have an opportunity to earn wealth, you don't have an opportunity to build it and sustain it and pass it on generationally because you just don't know how to do it.
0: So how are you trying to fix that?
1: So we're trying to fix that by starting really early and making sure that every kid in America has the same shot at understanding wealth and understanding the language of finance. I tell people all the time that, you know, if you travel over to France, as an example, Errol, and you don't know French, you're gonna feel insecure when you're asking about ordering a meal and you may get the wrong meal. And guess what, when you get the wrong meal, you might even eat it because you feel even worse about yourself for not knowing the language and you feel a little bit like it was your fault. Well, the same thing happens with the language of finance. If you're an African-American who is buying your first home and you walk into the mortgage broker and they give you a really bad mortgage or a subprime loan, as we know has happened to African-American communities in droves, but you don't know anything about mortgages or APY or APR or any of the fundamental language of finance, you're gonna feel very self-conscious about asking questions. And you may get a bad loan, and when you get that bad loan and realize it was a bad loan, you might even blame yourself for that bad loan because you didn't know the language of money. Well, the truth of the matter is, it is our responsibility as America to teach everyone the language of money. These are basic, fundamental things that every American needs to do. They need to buy a home, they need to save for retirement, they need to save for their kid's college. And it's incumbent upon us to help them to do that. And so we do that with Goal Setter by making learning the language of money fun. Um, I come from Nickelodeon, and so everything that I have learned in my career is how do you create engaging, exciting apps and digital experiences that also educate? And so we have kids on our platform who are begging to take our financial literacy quizzes. When's the last time you saw a kid begging for a financial literacy quiz, Errol? Yeah,
0: no, no. What, what you're saying stands out to me specifically because as I think about to my own financial literacy, and what am I now? Mid-30s. Um, it wasn't until I hired a financial advisor through a colleague who I know knew at work to help me with the pursuit of perhaps buying a property. And that was a multi-year effort that included building credit because I'd always learned, don't use credit cards and keep balances low. But I had effectively no credit history other than a corporate credit card I'd used for for work since I was in my early twenties, but that wasn't reporting to the credit agencies. Anyway, a long winded way of saying, even for many adults, these lessons come late. So how does the app work? How are you making kids interested to take tests? That definitely sounds unbelievable. And and where is this rolling out? Who has access to it?
1: Absolutely. Okay, so let me give you a brief overview of how the app works first. We're a savings, financial literacy, and smart spending app. So we set every family up with an FDIC insured savings account, and every member of the family can have their own account on the app. And when I say every member of the family, I mean from cradle to graduation, including parents. Parents told us that they love the app so much that they wanted to use it to save for their own goals. So parents, kids can sign up to save for goals, big or small, short-term or long-term. I'm saving for college. I'm saving for an Xbox. I'm saving for robotics camp. I'm saving for an emergency fund. We don't care what they're saving for as long as they're saving. Family members and friends can then gift them goal cards instead of gift cards on birthdays and holidays. So they're receiving real money towards real dreams in a real FDIC insured account. But grandma can send a video that says, Hey, baby, I'm sorry I can't be there for your birthday because of COVID, but here's $50 towards your goals. And she can decide which goal she wants to put it towards. Hmm. Parents can set up autosave and roundups by connecting their bank account to help kids save for big goals over time. So parents can round up to the nearest $1 or $5 every time they swipe their card, and that change will go towards their goals or their family members' goals. Again, they can designate where they want it to go. We have an allowance feature on the platform that lets kids earn allowance money for any chores they do. And then we have the quizzes. And the quizzes are this great layer of financial literacy quizzes. We call them It's Lit because with kids, everything is lit, but with us, it's financial literacy. It's Finley. Okay,
0: yes, you definitely do have a background at Nickelodeon.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, I do. (laughs) And the courses are mapped to national financial literacy standards put out by jumpstart.org. So we're not making this content up. Kids are learning real things. In kindergarten, they're learning needs versus wants. In 11th grade, they're learning APY versus APR and compound interest and the rule of 72. So. They're learning those real things, but they're doing it through the lens of hip hop artists, social media influencers, and pop stars, because we use memes and gifs, all the same memes and gifs that they would see on Snapchat or Instagram to explain key financial literacy concepts. So Errol, when Beyonce says, can you pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone bills? We use that to explain that Beyonce wouldn't need anyone to pay her bills if she just had an emergency fund of three to six months saved. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Not as catchy of a remix, but much more important. Um, it's really fascinating. And we and we we, we should be a, a platform for financial literacy. So I'm sure many people know this already, but FDIC effectively means that it's a savings account backed up by the federal government. It's insured should something go wrong. And that's why um, it's something you should definitely look for when starting a savings account. But something else that you're saying and suggesting, I didn't hear you speak about... Um, credit card interest and those types of goals. I mean, the society we live in, especially with the amount of credit card offers you get once you turn 18, is one that suggests, well, you're only successful once you get this credit card and put these um, you know, items that you've always wanted. You mentioned gifts on a credit card and then people get buried by debt. Why are you focusing so much on savings goals, um, compounded interest, rather than the type of finances that are sold to people?
1: Yeah, I love that you asked that. So our financial literacy focuses on all of those things. It focuses on debt. We actually give great examples of, you want to go on vacation, you spend $2,000 on your credit card, and then you make a minimum payment of $15 every month. How long does it take you to pay off that credit card? And when kids see the answer that it takes you 20 years to pay off that credit card, they're like, what? Are you kidding me? So we have a bunch of what we call aha moments all throughout the app to make sure that kids are learning those key financial literacy concepts and not just financial literacy, I should just say key life concepts that are related to finance, that they're learning the difference between saving and investing. And if you put $100,000 into a regular savings account today versus if you put $100,000 into the stock market, In 30 years, you'll have $106,000 in your savings account. In 30 years, you'll have $761,000 if you invest in a mutual fund, right? There are kids who are looking at our app who never knew that before and didn't know the difference between the two. And they are literally saying, wow, this app has changed my life because now I understand money in ways I never did before.
0: Now, at the moment, we have nationwide demonstrations and what it feels like a real moment of reckoning in the country when it comes to why things are unequal and how major for-profit companies and banks can be a part of the solution. Many of them, certainly even private companies, have released statements saying they support kind of the, the, the mantra of the moment. Um, but in what ways are you working with banks, let's say, to to set this up and to make this something beneficial for Black children specifically?
1: Errol, that's such a fantastic question because you know all you have to do is a tiny bit of research to figure out why the wealth gap exists in this country. And the wealth gap exists for a myriad number of reasons, but one of those reasons is certainly linked to the historical role that banks have played. The historical ro- role that banks have played in not lending to Black consumers, Redlining, not giving Black um, homeowners the opportunity to to get a mortgage, um, subprime loans as recently as the last decade. And the banks have made millions and billions of dollars at the expense of Black consumers and have exacerbated the wealth gap. So we have actually gone to the top 10 banks in the country, and we're in conversation with them and asking them to support this initiative to get a million Black kids savings because we know that about 500,000 of those kids we're just going to reach through our own networks and through our own endeavors and those kids have parents who can afford to set up a savings account for them. But because of the wealth gap, there's another 500,000 kids that we want to reach who cannot afford to set up a savings account. And so we're asking these banks to fund savings accounts for those kids. We're asking them to fund $40 in a savings account, $40 as an obvious nod to 40 acres and a mule that Uh, that that these kids, their ancestors never received that would have helped them to build wealth. So let's put $40 into these accounts and help these kids have a better life and let's fund them for five years of financial literacy curriculum delivered through the Goal Setter app. So that's how we're partnering with banks and financial institutions. Again, we've reached out to the top 10, but we are having conversations with many banks beyond the top 10 because there are so many folks at these institutions who are saying, we wanna be an authentic part of the solution. You are an African American owned company that has found unique ways of uh, connecting with and impacting the lives of the African American kids you touch. And we know that you're gonna reach them in, in ways that are different than we could ever reach them. So we wanna partner with you to be a part of this solution. And we welcome those conversations. We're really excited about them.
0: And those are in process, ongoing, and your hope is that they, some of them will agree to fund these savings accounts.
1: That's exactly right. Those conversations are in process and ongoing. And again, you know, we have some of those banks and financial institutions that are stepping up and saying, yes, we are excited. We wanna be a part of the solution. And we're hoping that through these conversations, it will be more and more.
0: Now, obviously that speaks to how new this app is, how much it's changing, growing and developing. Uh, In March of 2019, you actually pitched this app to those sharks on the shark tank. What was that like? What happened?
1: So that was a fascinating experience. And um, so we actually got an offer from Mr. Wonderful. Uh, we didn't think that it was an offer that was quite uh, reflective of where we were as a company, but more importantly, where we were going. The um, valuation
0: was too low.
1: The valuation was too low. Uh, the investment was too minimal. And, you know, we want partners and we want investors, quite frankly, who see that we are on the cusp. Of transforming what is happening in the African American community for not just our kids but our families. We are reaching everyone in the family kids parents and everyone in between and so it's important for us to partner with people who can help us in that endeavor who can support us in that endeavor and we just didn't feel like that was that was the right situation to help us to fulfill our mission and our goal of reaching every kid in America. Every kid deserves a the, the, uh, fair shot. So, all of that is to say, Mr. Wonderful made us an offer. Damon said, hey, Tanya, what are you gonna do? You're not coming up, he's not coming down. And I said, Mr. Wonderful, you're out. Uh,
0: oh, okay, <laughs> okay. What was the valuation?
1: Oh my gosh, Errol, I can't even remember what it was at this time. You know, in the in the life cycle of a startup a year ago is like, you know, it's like dog years. It's like 17 years ago for me.
0: <laughs> Talk to me about the Save Ourselves movement. What, what's the goal of that?
1: So the goal of the Saving Ourselves movement is to deliver to African American families what we have been waiting for financial institutions to give us for centuries, quite frankly, to deliver them a savings product that is easy, that is fair, that is um, good for their families, that they can trust, and that has financial literacy that they can connect with. I don't know how many times I've seen you know, either educational institutions or financial institutions roll out some financial jargon to kids and families and say hey look we delivered financial literacy to them well no you didn't you delivered you know a a 30 page really dense book to them that they're not going to (laughs) read that's what we just delivered and so you know we are so excited that we are able to give african-american families culturally relevant financial literacy content that they can connect to, brought to them from a Black entrepreneur. How many fintech companies are led by Black entrepreneurs today? Hardly any because you know of, quite frankly, the structural racism in the VC community. Black entrepreneurs can't get funding. And so the mere ability that we are here and we are able to serve African-American families but all families with this amazing app that's going to change their kids' lives That's what we're doing. And that's what saving ourselves is all about. Delivering the kind of experience that African-American families have been waiting for and that they now get because there's an African-American entrepreneur who's behind it, who cares deeply about their kids and has created something that resonates with their kids.
0: Now we just have a few minutes left, but I wanna get your response to, because it sounds like what you're saying is, it's more than just an app. Even if you have a shark come along and and value your company in, in the millions, you want someone who believes in the bigger picture of making the, the financial literacy landscape more equal. Uh, the B, founder of BET, Bob Johnson, recently encouraged the Black Lives Matter movement to form their own political party, suggesting that rather than what appears to be, you know, black support of mostly Democratic candidates and very minimal black support um, for Republican candidates, the, the, the black coalition, at least those surrounding Black Lives Matter, should be their own voice. What are your thoughts on that? And what does it say about the independent financial power that Black Americans also have?
1: So it's so interesting to say, you know, the Black Life Life Matters movement should be its own voice because whenever you hear about um, Black people talking about equality, right? Black people want equality for everyone. I have a 14-year-old daughter, she's African-American, we live in Brooklyn, New York, and I gotta tell you, for the past year, anyone who had a five-minute conversation would have sworn that she was LGBTQ. She is not, she's just so passionate about LGBTQ causes because she believes in equality for everyone. And so to say that Black Lives Matter should become a political party or a movement that speaks for a larger swath of people, makes a lot of sense to me, because every Black person I know, you know, when, when you move into a Black neighborhood, we are showing up at your door, not with hostility, but with a pie. <laughs> we are showing up to welcome you. And, you know, most Black people in this country are fighting for equality for everyone. That's all we want. We want everyone to be on a level playing field. So, so I love that concept. I love that idea, because I think in order for true true transformation to happen, and for this to be more than a moment, but to be a movement, we have to change what has been happening in this country for the past century and centuries. And we have to upend it. And we have to think about it differently. And the fundamental power structure has to change to empower those who are interested in good for all and not just good for some.
0: And so now as we wrap up, where can people get access to your app? And what is your advice for anyone listening or watching who wants to be more financially literate, but is just totally intimidated?
1: (laughs) So people can find our app by going to goalsetter.co. That's the website. And you can download the app there. Or if you have a kid in your life. You can give them a gift on the app and that gift will seed a savings account for them a niece or nephew Um, so you can do either one of those you can also download the app on the apple um, app store and that's goal setter all one word g-o-a-l-s-e-t-t-e-r or on the android google play store and um if you are someone who is interested in teaching yourself or your kids about financial literacy but you're intimidated um i've got a couple of anecdotes for you one is We had, before we were a full family platform, we were just for kids, and we had our financial literacy quizzes on the platform. We had parents who were taking the quizzes, and their kids would get mad at them and say, Mom, you took my quiz for the week, so now I can't go back and open it again. (laughs) So parents were participating because they knew that it was a great and fun way to learn financial literacy and and a way to do so that was not intimidating and where they could discuss the concepts with their kids. So we welcome one, we welcome all, we welcome old, we welcome young, we welcome grandma and grandpa too. Please come to the app. The second thing I'll tell you is I have an investor who is super smart and super savvy, and she sent me a text one day and said, Tanya, I was just doing the quizzes with my daughter. The rule of 72? Who knew? And And this is a woman who's a chief marketing officer at a major company in America.
0: And remind us what rule 72 is.
1: So the rule of 72 tells you how quickly your money will double. What you do is you take 72 and you divide that by the interest rate that you've invested your money at. So if you've invested your money at 2%, 72 divided by 2 is 36 it'll take your money 36 years to double. 2% isn't that good. If you've invested your money at an average annual interest rate of 7%, 72 divided by seven, your money will double in 10 years. So, um, so yeah, she was so excited to learn this fact and she's super savvy. So, you know, don't feel bad about if you think you should know about financial literacy or think you should be more money smart. Um, we're all learning. We're all learning together. And if you don't feel like you can teach your kids, don't worry about that because we've got you. We can teach them for you.
0: I love that. I love that. Look, knowledge is power. And especially when it comes to financial literacy, it's a real key to moving up um, that that economic ladder. Uh, Tanya Van Court with Goal Setter joining me uh, from close by. I'm here in Manhattan and you said, you know, Black folks uh, welcome you with pie, so I'll be expecting that pie anytime soon. Thanks for your time today and for speaking with
1: us. (laughs) Thank you, Errol. Come on over to bedside to get your pie.
0: You got it. Good to meet you, Tanya. Thanks.
1: Good to meet you too, Errol. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CBS This Morning podcast. If you want to catch the day's top stories in under 20 minutes, be sure to subscribe to CBS This Morning News on the Go on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey.
0: Stephen Colbert here to tell you about the Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of the Late Show with my producer Becca. Becca, what's what's up?
1: So The Late Show Pod Show is everything you love about The Late Show on oh, a podcast. I want to know about you. I, oh. Enough,
0: we, 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 People see everybody in an ad talks about the thing they're trying to sell. Oh. I'd like to know about you, the person behind creating the podcast.
1: Oh, I'm having a really good day. Barry baked some bread and my friend Kara got me some chicken salad. It's a really nice day in the office today.
0: Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Do you ever feel like there's
0: nothing new in the news? You know there are urgent things happening in the world around you. But all you hear is noise. That's why we made What Next? Our goal is to tell you the stories you haven't heard before. Or maybe a different side to the story you thought you already knew all about. I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next? And I love my job because it helps me cut through the noise of the news. And then I get to bring it to you. Together, we can figure out what next.